House Flipping HQ Podcast, Episode 7. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Giving you the strategies, techniques, and inside secrets of house flipping from today's top house flipping experts. House Flipping HQ. Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Hey, hey, House Flipping Nation. Welcome to another episode of the House Flipping HQ podcast. I hope you've all had a great week. Hope you're taking massive action and you are just crushing it in your house flipping endeavors. Today, I'm just beside myself. I'm like starstruck about our guest. I'm just so excited. Um, You have the guys that you learn from, and then you have the guys that you learn from who learn from the guy that we're gonna interview today, okay? So (laughs) our guest today has been Uh, doing real estate investing since 1981. I mean, I was like one year old at that time. (laughs) I was just, (laughs) it's it's incredible. So hundreds of transactions, um, made millions of dollars in this market. I don't want to steal his thunder. He's going to get into all that. Has one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard, if not the most amazing story of any investor I've ever heard. I'm just super excited. He's helped me so much in my business, whether it's directly or indirectly. And I'm just so honored that he would uh, come on our podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, I give you the one, the only, the ARIO mentor, the outspoken investor, Uncle Tony Alvarez. <laughs> How's it going, Tony? How am I going to live up to all that now? <laughs> you, already, you already have. You could be done and you've already lived up to all of it. Listen, you're really good at this. You're like the Tony Robbins of the podcast world, you know? This is very cool. <laughs> Don't go listen to my first episode. Hopefully, I'm getting a little bit better. So, <laughs> No, you you do. This is really good. And I want you to know we're learning from you because, you know, we do interviews as well with different people, but you really, you're, you run a class act here. Well, uh, I don't know if it's, I think it's my guests and my audience, but we're pretty pumped. I mean, we've in iTunes, we've the ratings are off the charts. I mean, we're up there with the top podcast, and it's only been over a week. So that's fabulous. I don't know what's going on, but we're gonna we're gonna keep it rolling with guys like you. I think we can keep that going. So thank you, and thank you very much for that introduction. That was over the top. It, really, it's all hundred percent just the way I feel. So I'm excited to have you. So Tony, let's uh, you know, here on the podcast, we really like to get a ton of content, dive into people's business, what they're doing. But before we do that. You have an incredible story. Let's take some time and dive into that story. I mean, well, you know, my uh, to be very honest with you, I've never thought of my story as being anything all that unique. I, it's um, and probably because um, I never thought uh, that I was all that bright or that I was, you know, I had any edge over anyone else or anything like that. What I had was a lot of uh, basic uh, desperation. <laughs> Since I didn't even graduate high school, you know, I didn't have a lot of. Uh, you know, I didn't have a lot to look forward to uh, financially. You know, everything was everybody was. You know, if you don't have college, if you don't have something. So basically, my career started um, uh, sitting at home, running out of money. You know, watching TV and then seeing. Uh, I think it was Dave Delgado, uh, one of the guys who was a real estate guy who was uh, talking about getting rich and all this stuff with real estate. 
And uh, I bought his course with the last amount of money in my credit card, you know, <laughs> before I had to go bankrupt, you know. And um, I just believe what the guy said. The guy basically said, I'll never forget it. He said, uh, real estate was a business where anybody, regardless of, you know, you, you didn't have to have cash, education, you didn't have to have, uh, basically, you didn't even have to have a brain, you know. And so I'm sitting there and I related to that. I thought, okay, you know, that this is me, you know. Uh, I felt like, okay, I'm already a real estate investor. I just haven't gotten any money yet, you know. With that, you know, information that I got from his stuff, I went out, started looking at houses, basically just started going to real estate agents' properties, I mean, uh, offices and stuff. Landed one in Burbank back then. And, um, and then I realized when I went to buy the first house that it was a little bit more detailed than, <laughs> you know, the course had talked, talked to me about the benefits of real estate. Yeah. But it really hadn't given me, you know, the nuts and bolts of all the things involved. So, um, I realized I had to learn more about how to identify value. So I went and became an appraiser. That's what I did. That was the, that was really my first step into the education part of the business. Awesome. Um, and from that, I, um, I started actually buying little, I actually bought the first house that I ever saw from the first agent that I met after that course in Burbank. And then I bought a second house from him. And, and then I, you know, I, I took off from there. But, um, you know, I've had my ups and downs. I've been through bankruptcy twice, you know. Crazy. So I've made, I've made money. Um, I did, I did really well in the eighties and then I crashed and burned. I, you know, when I started investing, I was actually working as a real estate appraiser for Great Western Bank, Glendale Federal Bank. None of those banks are around anymore. You know, and sometimes I wonder if it had anything to do with my appraisal skills, but, uh, you know, and then, and then, but I always wanted everything for me was about becoming an investor, buying stuff. Um, I liked the part about real estate that said, Hey, I can make an immediate income from this. And I don't even have to really own it, you know. I just have to be good at finding deals. And then I, if I decide to keep some of it, uh, it's the best way to create an income for myself over time. And then sometime when I get really old, you know, and I've held some of these houses for a long time or whatever, um, you know, I can they'll be paid off and I'll have an income and all that. So all of those ideas kind of made me feel better about the business. And that's what led me into it. So let's talk about, I mean, you've made million. What, what did you're very open with uh, and transparent. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm an open book, quite frankly, because I don't think any of this stuff is proprietary. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you know, I mean, you can teach classes and I love to do it as well. Um, and I always attend. I'm go, I'm always attending everybody's anything, you know. Um, but really, what does this business boil down to? It's uh, it really you're not competing with anyone else. That's another issue for me. Everyone's always thinking about competition and stuff. I think that's nonsense. Um, I through the 80s, I made a bunch of money and I was working basically on the west side of Los Angeles. I've invested in all kinds of different places. I've, I've invested in 30 unit apartment buildings. I I bought a 66 unit building in Arizona once. I mean, I, I've, I've done a lot of different stuff. Um, but I, I made a bunch of money in the 80s, but the problem was I didn't really have enough information about the market itself and how, how it changes. You know, I was all focused on acquisitions, 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 and I understood financing. You know, like I said, I worked for banks. So I made a ton of money in the 80s, but then when, in the, you know, 1992, 1990s come and that market comes to an end and uh, Tony's still doing the same thing he was doing, you know, in the early 80s. So now it's not working anymore and I'm, you know, I'm getting frustrated. So I kept doing more of the same. Uh, what happens is I end up crashing and burning, you know. So um, I, I had to take a job at a Shakey's Pizza in Burbank. Nice. I never, you know, they give you a little orange bow tie and an orange hat. <laughs> I always tell the story. I walk by this this mirror, you know, and I was happy to have the job. I want you to know. I, I wasn't, it was, you know, I had millions of dollars and stuff and then I crashed and burned. And, but, you know, I walked, I walked past the mirror and I looked just like Porky Pig, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I retained a little water weight. So, I, but um, but I was happy there, you know. And then I would go to the library and read every day. And uh, in all honesty, I looked to read. I looked for different things. Everything I had read up in the, until that point. Uh, keep in mind, I don't have any formal college education or anything. But everything I had read up until that point was basically about um, how to get wealthy. You know, first book I read when I went to the library after going broke uh, the first time I read it was about um, Benjamin Franklin's life story. Now, here's a guy whose whole focus was about how to do things for other people, how to give things to other people, how to how to really create something of value for others to the extent that he didn't even want his own name on it. You know, he didn't want fame, so to speak, and, and fortune came to him only because what he was doing, what he was giving was valuable. Now, that's an abundant mentality, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the other part about it was I read that he liked to take naked air baths, which I can relate to. He would sit on his balcony <laughs> naked and he would, and you know, and take air baths, you know. <laughs> I think I'm him reincarnated, you know. <laughs> so don't come to my house yeah, late in the afternoon. You won't like what you see. Anyways, um, so I read his story and I think this is a wonderful person. You know, I, I fell in love with Benjamin Franklin, his way of thinking. And so one day I'm at the library reading a newspaper and it says uh, Antelope Valley foreclosure capital of the United States. Well, for those of you that don't know, the Antelope Valley is like, uh, oh, God, I don't want to get too technical. I usually have a way of describing it, but <laughs> it's really out in the, in the high desert. There's not a lot out there. I had done one appraisal out in the Antelope Valley, and it was I, the only thing I remember thinking to myself is I never want to come here again. But, you know, I borrowed my dad's car, and I came out to the Antelope Valley, and I, I got off on the street. And uh, the first street I turned to that had houses, there was a street called Robina. It had, uh, you know, out of maybe 10 houses on that street, four of them, five of them were boarded up, you know. So I thought, man, what, what's going on here? You know, it's like the world was coming to an end. And I called on one of the houses, and it was listed for, you know, it was a thousand square foot house, three bedroom, one bath, you know, 1950s. And it was listed for like 37,000 bucks. And then immediately I get on the phone and I call around, I check the rents and they were renting from rents were like 50 for that house to about 850 bucks. So you didn't have to be a genius to figure out that that was, you know, a slamming deal and nobody was buying them, you know. Um, and then I checked the rehab on this particular house and it was going to cost me back then, you know, about uh, 5,000 bucks. And I went, I got on fire, you know, because I thought I just struck gold and nobody knows it's here. <laughs> that, that, that was really how I felt, you know. So I ran back home uh, and uh, sat down with my dad, tried to get him to loan me some money. And, uh, of course, he but threw me out of his apartment. You know, he, he thought I was crazy. He, he, I remember him saying to me, oh, let's see now. You, you lose all your money. We're Cuban. So you have a heavy Spanish accent. You lose all your money uh, in real estate, and now do you want me to give you my money? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to do that right away. <laughs> so I actually went to a higher authority, my mother, and she got him, she coerced him to uh, to do the loans by threatening to have him sleep on the couch if he didn't, you know, for the rest of his life. And and that's what got me started. I borrowed $6,000 from my dad and I uh, hooked up with a hard money lender and uh, went on to buy hundreds of houses in the Antelope Valley, starting from scratch. The first house took me six months, uh, Justin, from the beginning to when I finally sold it. Because I couldn't find workers, and the guys I found were no good, and then one guy put more paint on himself than on the house, and <laughs> it was just it was just ridiculous, you know. And uh, but you know, I kept going, kept going, kept going, and then uh, I, that house I ended up selling for sixty nine thousand um, dollars, and you know, I was selling it to all cash buyers. Now, because I came through bankruptcy, I had a half million tax loss carry forward. So if you understand wow. taxes stuff like that, if people under you know, I didn't have any reason to really hold on to anything. 
because yeah. I had half a million dollar loss to write off. Wow. I churned and burned that sucker until I wiped that tax loss out. <laughs> by that time, I, I stored some cash. And then that's when I really started, when I saw appreciation take hold in the market, place I started like you know buy one sell one buy one keep one you know uh, you know every other house I would try to keep and uh, I held up to 100 houses uh, wow. peak of the market and uh, and Bruce Norris was very instrumental in in helping me to know when to exit because I actually wanted to get out earlier it was the first time I ever looked at my spreadsheet I used to put all my houses on the spreadsheet that, that to keep track of them you know because I'd forget what the hell I had you know and and when I added up the market values and it said I had made 10 million bucks Jeez. Now, I don't, I just want you to understand that is a moment where since I didn't have really good math skills without a calculator, I was basically toast. I had to go back and read. I had to re-add those numbers over and over and over again because I thought this is impossible. This can't be right. I never kept track, by the way, as I was building my inventory and by what I had of the equity or whatever I was building. I just kept moving, 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 moving. Yeah. I kept focused on where I was going, you know, not the asset. I never stopped to count my chickens, so to speak. And, um, and so I, when I saw that and I verified, I had $10 million and I, we're not talking gross sales or I'm talking profit. Wow. You know, now, and I live, you know, I'm a pretty frugal person. I don't spend a lot of money. I don't drive fancy cars. I mean, my most fancy cars are Toyota, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I live a very simple life. Um, and 10 million bucks, I thought, what, what, I, you know, <laughs> I don't need to do another thing, you know? So I went and spoke to Bruce Norris, who we'd become friends. And uh, uh, I said, I, you know, Norris from the Norris Group. I don't know. Uh, I yeah, guess yeah. Mo- a lot of people won't, won't know who that is. Yeah, we'll, we'll link it up. We'll link up to him in the show notes as well. Okay. And uh, and Bruce sat with me and he said, no, no, you can't You can't sell right now. He said, uh, he basically gave me 10 words of advice, okay? He said, you, you, can't, you can't sell. And, and actually, to back up, when I did my numbers, I was actually at 7.2 million net. Okay. Cause okay. uh, that, that's, that's what, that's what my profit was. And then Bruce said to me, and I forget the words he said, but your area isn't done yet. You know, you couldn't sell cause my area wasn't done yet. And how did he know this? He was about to start building houses in the same market, just a little uh-huh. bit north, further out than me up in Roseman. And so he said, no, you need to hold on. And I held on for three more years. And for every year I held on to my inventory, I made another million dollars in equity, <laughs> which was, you know, I didn't have to do anything, you know, but I kept buying, I kept, you know, cause I was bored. So I kept doing other stuff. And, uh, yeah, when finally I sold everything out when he told me to, basically, Bruce said, and around 2005, we had a conversation and he called me and he said, okay, get now, sell. Wow. And then what happens? I just made a million dollars a year by holding on to my stuff. So now am I motivated to sell? Not really. <laughs> Why don't I just hang on another year? No, you gotta sell now, right? So now I flip flop. Now I know I don't want to sell. <laughs> Oh, Tony, get rid of it. So I dumped all my stuff, you know, and I, t- I went on to 1031 Exchange to some commercial development as a result of a, of a good friend that I had that was, um, he was uh, building Gold's gyms and shopping centers and stuff in Arizona at the time, luckily for me, because the numbers I needed were huge. Right. You know, the 1031, you got equity and the right, you know, values and all that. So, um, yeah, it's been a hell of a ride for me. You know, I took two years off. After that, I bought myself a beautiful home. I should say real estate bought it uh, up in Smith River, California. It's right on the ocean, you know, facing the mouth of the Smith River, one of the cleanest rivers in our country. And I love to go salmon fishing and stuff. So uh, it's a beautiful home. And I took two years. I did absolutely nothing. I kept my office open. And then in 2008, we started again, you know. Wow. So, yeah, but and this is my last hurrah, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, this is, I'm, uh, at least that's the way I think now. <laughs> I can't. 
you know, I don't need any more money than what I have. I can't possibly spend what I have now. I don't care how long I live. And, uh, but, you know, and I do enjoy the business, but I've gotten into speaking a little bit and teaching other people about it. And I try to keep it at, at what I really believe, which is that it's a very simple business to do. You know, you just have to, well, and you know what I use. I use because I'm basically ADD. Yeah. I use a very specific method of making my decisions. And it's based on something I developed years ago, you know. I'm just blown away. I just, I've been trying to just listen, but now I just need to let yeah, it out. Talking, you know, that's the problem with me. And you know that. No, I'll just keep talking my head off, you know. You and I both have AD. I actually remember going and hearing you speak a while ago. And because I knew I had ADD, but I was afraid to admit it. And then you got up and you were bragging about your ADD and seeing how hyper-focused you were. So I went home that night and I told my wife, hey, I don't get distracted. I'm hyper-focused. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but it's true, Justin. If you study that, uh, that's really why so many people that are successful are actually uh, ADD. Yeah, um, it has its downside if you really focus on that. But uh, on the other side, we can accomplish things when we don't give up when other people walk away. Exactly. M yeah. My biggest struggle is just... You know, I, I have certain times I have to be done. And when I'm with my family, I'm like, okay, you're with family. Stop thinking about business. Think about, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, so there's, yeah, they, there's pros and cons, yeah. but I will never, I have no doubt. I feel kind of how you said you felt wealthy already. Isn't yeah. It? That's how I felt. I mean, ever since I started, even when we've had our ups and downs, I would be talking like as if I was the wealthiest man in the world because in my mind I was. And, Anyway, it's just really powerful. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but your mindset is so powerful. So I, I'm glad you. Yeah, that. I just spoke about that last night. I just I, they had me do a little pre-talk uh, at Sean Watkins Club. Their uh, investor, I forget what investor workshop. Yeah, let's hook up to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, investor workshop. Thank you. Yeah, I, and I did a little pre-talk for his gold members there, and it was on mindset. You know, that's exactly what it was. Uh, and I really, I agree with you. I think that's the most powerful part of doing anything. It doesn't matter whether you're doing real estate or whether you want to, you know, lose weight or whatever the heck it is. You know, it's whatever you decide that you're going to accomplish. That's incredible. So, okay. So let's kind of quick review. I mean, you went from being broke, bankrupt, working at Shakey's, then you recognized an opportunity. You dove in, which is what I did, you know, a couple of years ago when I started flipping at a high volume, I noticed very similar to what you were saying. I'm like, these houses... I can't go wrong. I started to rent them out. But then after a while, I ran out of cash, started flipping like a madman. And I was like shooting fish. I was like, man, this is like the world's best secret. It's just what you described. <laughs> and so you went, <laughs> you went from being broke and bankrupt, made $10 million. I love what you said about the first one took six months. And that's typical. I mean, but you got going, you know, you, you, you didn't have the right contractors, but you got to get going to really create those systems. You can only get educated so long until you actually start making offers, buy something. Don't be stupid, you know, <laughs> learn some numbers, get educated from guys like Tony here. And, <laughs> but you got going and that's what caused you to fail forward fast and propel yourself to the success that you've had. And so, okay. So you took a couple years off. Where are you at today? Tell us more about your business. I mean, I know you have Candace, who's a rock star. I mean, I, you kind of make jokes about she wasn't like that when when you think when you started out. <laughs> but I mean, people talk about Candace as this rock star um, assistant that you have. I mean, tell us more about her and your current business, how you operate today, where you're at today. Well, I, and you've been speaking with Candace. Actually, Candace is the last one to come on board with us. I actually have two assistants. 
the person that really um, pretty much runs my business. I mean, it, it's uh, Sabrina. And Sabrina started. You know what? With I'm me. sorry. I meant I meant Sabrina. You're right. I've been yeah, speaking no, no, to Candace, but, but it's, a, it's a mistake <laughs> people make all the time because Candace is the person who's handling all my contacts now. Okay. But um, and Sabrina is actually the one who's who's doing the business. She's the one communicating with agents. She's the one communicating. I mean, uh, making offers. Uh, she's the one running what anything we do. She's at the uh, she's at the head of that table. Uh, but yeah, you're right. When she came to me, she basically, her aunt who, uh, worked for a management company here in town brought her to me and, uh, said she was looking to land a job, you know, and she didn't know anything. She didn't know the difference between a, a, a deed of trust and a birth certificate, you know, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> but, but she, she, uh, you know, I was trying to hire somebody in the Antelope Valley. Let me tell you what, you know, people would show up and their resumes would show they were gone for the last six months. And I'd say, you know, well, what have you been doing? They'd say, well, I just got out, you know, out of Jeez. where? Well, we have a prison here, you know, and it was like, and I'm like, geez, what the heck, you know, I can't find anybody who's not out of jail. I mean, what the heck is it? But anyways, I gave her a job to start and uh, she started and it wasn't easy, you know, at first and stuff. Uh, she's quit several times uh, a month <laughs> and I fire her, you know, quite a bit, but we understand each other and um, she's learned, she's become committed to the business just like all of us do after a while. You know, you finally, the bug gets you. And uh, and now basically she runs a lot of the show. She makes mistakes, you know, like anybody else sure. does. And I'm, you know, how we are. I'm over. I'm very demanding. Yep. You know, people see me, they think, oh, he's such a nice guy. I'm a pain <laughs> in the butt. Honest to goodness, well, I get rid of pe people left and right. But um, well, it's funny yeah. you talk about Sabrina because that's like, you know, I have Vanessa who basically runs my show. But I'll tell you what, I mean, she's amazing, just like Sabrina. Don't get me wrong, and it's her drive that makes her so amazing. But. I, I mean, I've taught her from day one what I was looking for. And there is probably not, uh, I used to say a day that goes by, but now every other day where I'm not giving her some kind of constructive feedback and, but she takes it. And that to me is the number one attribute of a good assistant. Someone, and I know you and Sabrina have an interesting relationship. <laughs> Believe me, I've seen her middle finger more than I care to admit. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you guys understand each other. And, you know, with, with Vanessa, at least she'll take that constructive criticism and she grows from it. And it's to the point where she practically runs my business. And I'm able to sit here and, you know, interview guys like Tony Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and that's and, you know, you've earned the right to do that. I, you, know, I, you know, people think, you know, um, well, the truth is, is that anybody who's good at anything makes it look easy. You know, you watch somebody playing a violin, you know, or whatever, who's really good at what they do or singing an opera, whatever. You know, you look at that and you go, wow, I can do that, you know, <laughs> and, and you don't realize what's behind it, you know. So what is a day in the life of your, you know, Tony Alvarez and Sabrina and Candace? What is what does that operation look like? I mean, OK, we don't need to get into the finger, you know, the flipping off and all that. But <laughs> <laughs> our business hasn't really changed. I, I should let me clarify that. Uh, what is it that, that, that we do from the beginning, Justin, everything that we've ever done? has been about, first of all, we have to make so much money every month to pay for the expenses in our office. That's uh, that's south of $10,000 if you really take everything into account, okay? So what does that mean? I have to buy basically one house every month, fix it and sell it, or I got to flip it to somebody else or wholesale it or whatever, but I got to bring in $10,000 to pay my overhead, and I know that's taken care of. So that the business pays for itself, so to speak. And um, then... My goal is, uh, after learning through the cycle that I've gone through, 
Uh, keep in mind, the first time around, it was all about just, I got to make money. So it was chasing deals. And that's what I did. Now, halfway through that market, I learned, okay, this isn't just about chasing money and chasing deals, which is the way I, I explain it. It's I have to hold on to something because there's going to be a point when these markets change, you know, and then it's tougher to find these deals or what have you. So I have to have, you know, I have to have some other income. And also, by the way, uh, having banking relationships helped me because my own banker was saying to me, you know, uh, wow, you're making tons of money and all this. And when I, when I switched to holding some of the stuff, they were like worried. They're like, wait a second, you're making millions of dollars. And all of a sudden it's, we see it going down, down. I said, yeah, but hold on. I had to write them a two page letter explaining my methodology. This income stream is going to keep growing and these sales are going to go down. By the way, my taxes structure is going to change because I'm not paying the same amount of tax, you know, on something I'm flipping within the first 12 months and, uh, you know, all this other stuff I had explained. But that's the same model that we use today. You know, my model is everything for me has to be real simple. Okay. And I, I want to get this as clear as I possibly can. I don't complicate anything. I do the opposite. I look at somebody else, you know, what they're trying to explain to me. And I say, okay, explain that to me in simple terms. I have to figure out the easiest way to do things because of my, the way my brain processes information. It doesn't do it the same as other people. And, and so I have to, it has to be spoon fed to me. Now, what immediately happens is my brain will take this simple information and then it goes and it takes it and it, it just dissects it into small little pieces and it starts coming up with all these kind of creative ways of benefiting from this information. Now that it does it all by itself. I have nothing to do with that. So my business boils down to here it is. I need to buy one house a week minimum. That might be five. It might be whatever, but that's the rule. We have to purchase one house a week. Okay. So how do we do that? We have a series of steps that we go through, and depending on the time in the marketplace, some we use more than others. Historically, the one area that has given me the most amount of my deals has been the multiple listing service in my tiny little market. Now, what do I mean by that? They come from the multiple listing service, but they're really generated by the relationships I have with people. Now, I learned, I went from chasing deals, finding deals, to developing relationships. And I really, I did this at a time in the marketplace years ago, when a lot of the stuff out here was HUD homes, you know, HUD foreclosures and HUD properties and stuff. And all you had to do was get on the MLS and I mean, not on the MLS, uh, you went to the thing and uh, they submitted the offers, you know, the agents, you had to work with an agent, they submitted the offer. And if somebody submitted one penny more, you know, boom, it went to them. Yeah. So it's very disappointing. You know, you stay up <laughs> and you do all this research, you drive around, see all these houses and all this, and then you, you didn't get anything, you know, because some homeowner outbid you or whatever, or some other investor outbid you. Back then, they didn't differentiate between the two. Anybody could get it as long as you were, you know, a buck higher than the next guy. Yeah. So I realized, okay, this sucks. This is not going to work for me. And I went into the MLS and studied it. And I, I looked at, okay, there's Fannie Mae, there's Freddie Mac, there's these other distressed situations. I focused my attention on that because that was controlled by human beings. People I can go and meet like you and talk to them and understand them. I studied to study, you know, I began to study what is it that they need from me? What's the mindset of these agents? And I learned that they were riddled with fear. You know, business people that have a huge accounts to deal with, their whole thing is they don't want to lose their account. You know, they don't want to lose their Fannie Mae status or Freddie Mac status, you know, agent representing their deal. So I capitalized on that. I really, I spent some time understanding uh, what I had to turn myself into so that they would want to call me first. And that's very crucial. I don't, I don't want them to call me last, but I want to be the first guy that they think about. 
And that's something, when you mention mindset, that's something that you have to help create in, in a person's mind by the way you conduct yourself. You know, it's just like people you do business with, I'm sure. Um, once they do business with you once, they go, okay, this is somebody who I want to, uh, you know, they want to get oh, capture no. your phone number, you know? It's night and day. I mean, someone will tell you whatever about, I'm going to sell you this house or do this. But once you perform for them, it's like a whole nother situation. And you're the king. Everyone knows, oh, okay, everyone who, if you don't know, Tony is the king at developing relationships. And what what's the book that you wrote? Uh, remind me, I have it. I've read it. Oh, that little book I wrote, it was called, uh, and then probably I, I remember somebody telling me, no, nah, you don't want to use that title because when REOs are down, you know, it's really about relationship. And uh, I named the book, How to Break into the REO Business, how I went from bankruptcy to 7.2 million in seven years, just making friends. And that's a true statement, you know? But you're right. It is about, and something funny, Tony, I've never told you, but you know, here we are. <laughs> Actually, about a month ago, I had my assistant, you know, cause we're, we're spreading out throughout Southern California quite a bit. And we do a lot in the, uh, you know, San Bernardino High Desert. I'm like, hey, let's, you know, go on over to LA High Desert, see if we can find a good agent there. And we call this guy and he's like, uh, he's like, oh, do you know Tony Alvarez? Because we told her. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we know Tony. He's like, yeah, he comes by every once in a while with a box of chocolates. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so well, it's it yeah, hilarious. That, that's going, and that's going way back too because, um, all I did, and I want you to know, and I appreciate what you say. I sincerely do. I, and, and your compliments, I know, to my own BS, so to speak. And I just get down to brass tacks and um, just uh, trying to figure out a way of dealing with people the way I wanted to be treated. And that's what it came down to. I, I um, And I break this business down into two parts. I think we all start uh, in the performance side of the business, which is all about how to have techniques to you know, to find the deals and, and then, you know, you secure your financing and, you know, if you want to use private money and, you know, whatever. And, and it's all about performance. You know, will you show up and do what you're supposed to do? That's all performance related to me. Then the, the second part of it is, I think as we mature in the business and we grow a little bit, we, we kind of become aware that, yeah, it's about performance and that has to do with our actions, but also it's about relationship building. That's the second part. It's almost like two hands together. One's performance. The other one's relationship building. By the way, there's very specific uh, nuances to both. You know, performance is all about what you can do. You got to be faster, quicker, better than somebody else. It's about competition to a certain extent. But relationship building, you know, what people don't understand about relationship building is that it far, it will outperform performance every time. In relationship building, if somebody develops a relationship with you, and you can, the best way of explaining this is, if your mom or your cousin or your uncle who loves you was the REO agent <laughs> or had a house for sale and they knew you're an investor and you make your living from this and they trust you and they love you, you know, they really care about what's happening to you because they realize you feel that way about them. Why wouldn't they call you first? You know, assuming, of course, you're not doing anything improper, but why wouldn't they give you an opportunity? Well, the answer is they would every time. So I had to become, in my mind, I had to become the person, the relationship that's right below, a one notch below the most loving people in that person's life. Now, I'm using words like loving and caring and stuff, and a lot of professional investors turn their brains off when you go there. They go, ah, no, it's about performance. And that's fine. But my numbers speak for themselves. Believe me, I can't outperform my mother walking, okay? <laughs> uh, she moves real slow, okay? She's 85 years old. But 
I made $10 million by building these relationships. Of course, the market coming in my way, you know, appreciating as it did, uh, helped us a lot as well. I'm not stupid. I understand that. But what kept me in the game and keeps me in the game today, Justin, you realize when I sold out at the peak of the market and then two, took two years off, I stayed in touch with those people that made me wealthy. And when I came back, now I'm coming back in the market, right? In 2008, I come back into market and I get on the phone, I call and say, hey, I'm back in town, I'm buying. Was it difficult for me, you know, to get those people to work with me? I basically, one of the caveats was that I would give them back all the deals. Any agent who ever sold me a deal, I've always handed it back to them to resell. I don't care if it was five or six years after I bought it. Um, so awesome. you create these relationships with people and they become attached to you and they don't know what it is to do business without you. When I told them I was leaving the market, some of them were like in shock. And what the hell am I going to do now? Tony, I think it's so crazy how many people will focus on, oh, but you lost a few thousand dollars in commissions or this and that. It's like, no, no, these people help you make your money. Uh, absolutely. And that again, it goes to mindset. It's how you perceive you know, and I try to explain to people the reason why people fail at this business or fail at anything. It's all their preconceived notions and all these ideas they have about the way things should be. You know, if you don't care about other people's success as much as your own, at least as much as your own, you're at a huge disadvantage. But people don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. they, they function from, uh, hey, I got to get mine. And that's what counts. And, and I'm not saying to you that you should make decisions where you hurt yourself no. at the expense of somebody else. Like an agent calling me and saying, hey, I got a house. Here, go see this house. And, you know, there's no profit in the deal. So now I'm supposed to buy it just to make a connection. That's nonsense. You know, you know I'm not kind of going off that we've been buying a lot of houses from wholesalers lately, which is kind of interesting. Some we haven't done a ton of before. And it's basically the same three or four guys. And I tell Vanessa, I said, look, your number one job is to get back to these guys quickly. Imagine what would you want in their situation? Get back to them quickly. We want them to make as much money as possible. It's like they're our client. You know, we treat them like gold because they they're making us a lot of money right now. And we Really appreciate it. So it's and, and they're doing really well as well. Our goal is we want them to do well because we want them to want to keep working with us. So well, it makes sense. You know, I mean, it's just like you know what? There, that's the equivalent of having a handful of employees in your office that, that you're paying on salary, and they slam deals. They keep handing you deals every day. If you don't start paying those guys bonuses and and really hugging and kissing them every day, you're gonna lose them. Yep. I mean, they'll they'll, go, they'll move on to somebody else who does appreciate them. Yep. Um, so it's just a natural course of events, you know, people just, uh, and, and I think honestly, it's a, it's a process of maturing as a business person and as an investor, uh, where you kind of transcend some of these limitations. Yeah. People keep asking me, how are you buying, you know, over 10 houses a month right now? The market's dealing with the way the market is. It's like, you just have to have enough people out there looking for you. I only have so many hours a day, but if I have 10 people out there looking for me, then it's not that hard. <laughs> they each get one a month. <laughs> you know what? And even today, people say uh, to me, yeah, but you know, there's nothing on the MLS anymore. There's, it's difficult to sell because we buy, we, we utilize wholesalers. We, we do mailers. You know, we do a lot of different things. But in all honesty, do I want to be doing, you know, 10,000 mailers a month? Or do I want to talk to a handful of wholesalers who are doing the mailers already and they're absorbing that cost and that headache and all that time? I mean, it's, it, it all depends on how you set up your systems, For you sure. know, in your office or your methodology or doing your business. So let's talk about it a little more. I mean, it is kind of interesting because I did another interview just before yours. Um, this guy does have, he does all that mailing. He does internet marketing. He does all that stuff. But he has the system, like you're saying. He has the team. Now, something you said 
that I heard you say at a seminar I went to about a, a year or two ago. Time goes by quick. It might have been three years. I don't know. You said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. you called it I relate. GPS and it was goals, plans, systems. And when you explained that, because I had had you know, a certain level of success at that point, but I had never known how to put that in words. And I was like, he nailed it. <laughs> that's so true. Well, what? you know, that's part of something that, I, and that's what I was alluding to earlier. I view, I developed this for myself because, and this goes back a while back, but I have to give credit to my girlfriend for this because she's explained it to me without me noticing. It's, it's something I've used. It's, it's, I call it the three major steps for anyone to do anything. Uh, the first one is decide what you want to do and why. And these first steps are more internal in nature. In other words, this isn't, you don't have to go out and talk to anybody. You, you do it by yourself, right? So you want to, you want to, oh, geez, I want to go into real estate. Well, okay, so decide what is it that you want to accomplish? I want to become a wholesaler, whatever. Now, why do you want to do this? And the why is really important because the why, you know, people say, well, I want to make money, but that's not good enough. Uh, you know, you want to make money, you can go do anything else. But why, why do you want to do this? And people start to really get into the details of it. And then the second part, and, I, and I'm talking about committing this to writing, you know, it takes patience because your mind doesn't want to go there. It just wants to go look for deals. Yeah. It wants to go to some class, right? Yep. So decide what you want to do and why. Choose a specific target market and know it better than anyone else. Now, the second part of that, to know it better than anyone else, you, you really don't know if that's true. You don't know if you're going to know it better. But in your own mind, you know, this is part of your mindset that you're creating. You're building your mindset with these steps. So decide what you want to do and why. Pick a target market. Now, target market, it could be a geographical area like I did. I picked the Antelope Valley, threw a line around it and said, boom. I harpooned the center of it and said, this is mine. And in my mind, I'm going to know this better than anybody else. And this is my territory. Now, am I the only investor out here? You know that's not true. As a matter of fact, you just told me you and Ryan Scala just picked up a deal in my market. Well, wait till I find out we get that. I'm going to thank both of you. But the truth of the matter is there's been investors that were here way before I got here. And they've been coming here ever since because I've been bragging about this area, right? <laughs> so, you know, you can't. But what I'm saying is for my focus, for helping my brain, right? I pick a target market, know it better than anyone else. That means know your data, understand what's going on in your marketplace. You know, just studying the MLS, get an ad goes on. Geez, you can get a whole education within like 90 days of data, you know, or even 30 days, okay? So then the third one is load your GPS, okay? And what does that stand for? Everyone knows what a GPS is if you've ever heard of an automobile nowadays. So it's a goal. A goal is where you want to go. A plan, that's how you're going to get there, right? And then systems, the S stands for systems. And that's your daily action steps that you have to take. And when I say you, it's predicated on your actions. Now, you can delegate those actions if you want. Uh, like you said, you have other agents or whatever. I mean, uh, wholesalers basically working for you is what they're doing. Uh, but, you know, like I had, I, and I even laid it out. It's almost like a timeline. I laid out, you know, specific times of the day. I would only call agents. I learned never call an agent first thing in the morning. You know, you're going to piss them off because they're just getting into the office. Most of them don't get in before 9, 9.30. And where are they heading for? The coffee machine. They don't want to get a phone call at nine o'clock. They, they haven't even sat in their chairs yet and, and figured out what they're going to do. You know, I don't care how many things they have in their phone to organize their time. Believe me, their butt has to hit that chair and they got to take a deep breath and relax. So, and some of them, in all honesty, I never, I made a point, never call them directly after lunch because some of them like liquid lunches and, you know, and they were like a little soft and, you know, kind of like they make, they would say things that necessarily they weren't going to pay attention to. So, you know, I call my agents after 10 o'clock and it was between 10 and lunchtime. And then you have a certain time of the day where I saw properties. And then I had a certain time of the day where I visited, you know, agents. 
And I didn't only visit agents. I would visit my insurance guy who was also local or my escrow company just to pop in, you know, and keep that relationship going with them, bring them a little something. And that, that's just my way of doing it. Nowadays, you guys are way more sophisticated. You get all this techie stuff. You can call people on your phones and then you'd see their pictures and, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I love the human contact. Uh, and since I worked in a small geographical area, it was great. So the three major steps, decide what you want to do and why, choose a target market and know it better than anyone else, and then load your GPS. And so one day, I'm at uh, Santa Monica sitting in the, in, the, uh, in the apartment with my girlfriend, and, I, and she says, what's that thing that you do, that thing I said, uh, she says, what's that uh, goal plan? Because I used to call it goal plan systems, goal plan systems. And she looks at me, she goes, goal plan systems, load your GPS. <laughs> nice. She's the one who invented that. And then I, she looked at me, and we looked at each other, and I said, I wonder if somebody's trademarked that. <laughs> so, so we went, it, they, it hadn't been trademarked, so we trademarked goal plan systems, uh, GPS, uh, don't live home without it or something like that. Um, and, and that's basically it. But I do it to keep myself focused. And anytime I'm going to do any project, Justin, I don't care if it's a class. I sit down with my assistant and go, okay, let's, what's the GPS we have for this thing? And it refocuses our attention. We have a specific goal. Yep. We have a plan as to how we're going to do it. And then the systems. What do we got to do like right now to get this thing done between now and then? And, and we apply it to everything. Tony, I do that exact same thing on a regular basis. I mean, I see so many people that are out chasing this and that or the other. If it doesn't fall into my plan, but it's kind of cool, I might put it in the bucket list or I might pivot and alter. <laughs> you know, we have our ADD, right? But yeah. it's like, look, it's got to fit into my goal. So. I'll come up with my goal first, which is exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I told a couple of people, that, I mean, I decided I wanted to buy a hundred houses. I told a couple of people they thought I was crazy. I'm like, why am I crazy? Like I broke it down. I had my plan. So I had my goal. I had my plan. I'm like, it's doable. You know, if I can do have this many people help me buy this many houses, I got to buy, you know, eight to 10 houses a month. And this person's buying this. I can, I can do this, you know? And then we put those systems in place and we did it, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's pretty... How, how can we help someone? Okay, so someone's brand new to this business, right? Okay. Let, let's do like a quick, just in five minutes, a quick mock-up of what hypothetical goal, plan, and systems that they can come up with to, because so many people get so worried about their business plan. It's got to be this 50-page thing. I'm like, no, it can be written no. on like a napkin. A napkin, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So what would be a good goal for someone starting out? And let's just kind of throw it out there for people to think about. Well, you know, to be very honest with you about this, I'm, I'm a real big proponent of people getting into the business by becoming an agent. Uh, I used to say becoming an agent or becoming an appraiser because rather than go out and, and you know, and I teach classes myself, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of doing my own stuff a disservice in a way. But um, the truth of the matter is, is that I'm committed to telling people the truth about what I think and what I see, as opposed to whether it puts money in my pocket or, or what else. That's secondary. Um, I think the most important money you can spend, you can invest in a sense of educating yourself would be in some form of education where you actually, like an agent, you get a license and then you can actually be in the business and you don't have to ask anybody to say, hey, will you take me on board? Because the minute you get that license, every Keller Williams office in your area or whoever is going to want to recruit you just to get you in there. Hopefully you sell houses to your family if you do sure. nothing else and then quit. Um, so I, I think that's the first commitment you have to make to say, okay, how can I get into this business? How can I do something? And that's, to me, in my opinion, it's the best money spent. Okay. Um, uh, next, I would say if you're not, let's say you just want to, you're, you're willing to get into the business and, and just jump in. Your first goal should be your simplest one. You, you got to buy a house at some point. 
Okay, you have to buy a house. In other words, and I should clarify that you don't have to buy it and close the escrow and put it in your name, so to speak. But you got to find a deal. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's a multitude of ways of doing that. Like you just said, you have wholesalers working for you. But in all honesty, you know, wholesalers want to work with people that produce mm -hmm. and that have a reputation already and that know how to do this business. I don't know too many wholesalers that if you go to them, you're brand new. You say, "Hey, can you find me a deal or flip me a deal?" You know, they don't want to. They don't want to deal with that yeah. nonsense. Uh, yeah, because you you know you might get they, they might say yes to you, God forbid, and then you liable to get so scared you faint. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but you need to learn how to identify value, and you need to understand the legs of this business and how they work, how they work with each other. There's a ton of new people that get into this business every day, and they find a deal just because they asked. They start asking people, "Hey, I'm looking to buy a place in this area," and really, I have to bring you back to the GPS because. If you don't have a specific target market, you're going to find yourself attending every investor club meeting in Southern California. Let's say you got up in front of every meeting and said, hey, I'm looking for a deal. Of course, the next question is going to be, what's your market? Oh, anywhere. It doesn't matter. Well, that's nonsense. That's way too much data for you to learn. So you have to pick a specific market to a certain extent yep. and say, okay, I'm going to start here. That's going to expand. Yep. Once you learn how to identify value, Heck, you can be in Alaska, you can be in Taiwan, you can be wherever you want, and you it's basically sure. the same thing. You're buying something below market value, you know? So, but I would say you really have to identify how, what is a deal? And, and in order to get to that point, you have to identify what is a deal within this geographical area because you have only so much. That's why I love the Antelope Valley where I'm at. You know, there's only so much of it, and then yeah. you hit the mouse, <laughs> you know? So, so I would say that you have to get an education. Uh, uh, you don't have to go anywhere for that, but, but I mean, you have to learn how to identify value. That's, I think, at the crux of it. And I have, we talk about that in uh, our uh, second episode with Doug Vensu, so we'll refer to that. And then I also have a pretty detailed article that talks about the ARV and the, you know, finding all that stuff. So we'll refer to that. So, okay, it's great if they get their realtor's license, um, learn to identify value, and then what would be you know, a good goal and plan for someone from there? I would, you know, I stick to my one house a week only because Perfect. it keeps us focused. Yeah, it keeps us focused week to week is what I want to, okay. that, that's the point I want to make. But you're, like, you're Tony you Alvarez, right? So you're, one week works for you. I'm new. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, right? No, okay. <laughs> and, 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 but, but see, I want you to know that one a week, a lot of people have, okay, let's back up for one second. If that overwhelms you because you think one a week, what, what the hell am I going to do with one a week? It's not that you're going to actually find a deal every week, okay? But you have to give your mind, you really have to understand how your brain works. If you say to your brain, okay, I need to find a deal, and you don't give it any limitation, your brain can just go out and spin you out of control. It'll think that going to a meeting is going to accomplish that, yeah. that, you know, going to some seminar is going to accomplish okay. that, that, you know, you hand somebody money for classes, and then all of a sudden you're going to find a deal, you're going to get closer to that. That's all BS. The, the only way you're going to do it is if you yourself develop some skill, some ability to identify a deal. So when it comes across your hands, at least you know, okay, now all I got to do is get this thing. I got yeah. to harpoon this thing. I always tell people, as I say, I can't find any deals. I said, how many hours a week are you spending on either prospecting or marketing for deals directly? I'm not talking about reading books. I'm not talking about getting business cards, redirecting your office, going to classes. <laughs> how many hours a week? And it's almost always just a couple, if any. <laughs> like, well, <Yeah>. no wonder. <laughs> yeah, but we have to also take into account, by the way, that 
uh, a lot of the majority of people that are getting into this business, you know, are not, first of all, independently wealthy or, or they're not, uh, you know, sitting around doing nothing. They're working jobs. Yeah. So they have a, a limited amount of time. Uh, sure. You know, there's a student that I have. His name is Michael Zuber. Uh, he's up actually up north. He's, he's uh, actually a sales guy and he's been very successful at doing this. He, um, he's, uh, he's like the, the perfect example of somebody who works a job. He makes great money. He's a salesman for some, um, company that makes some kind of equipment, technical equipment or something. I forget what the heck it is, but he travels everywhere. Now he lives up in, uh, Silicon Valley area, but yet he does all his investing out in Fresno. Now to me, that's a miracle. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's able to do that. Now, and he, he started working with agents years ago. He read my little book thing and he, and that's the direction he went in. And he thought it was fascinating. You know, he built his business on that. Now he's learned to do, to, to find, to source deals from other areas. But, you know, that for me was amazing that this guy works a full time job. Now he went on to do a lot of deals. I mean, he wasn't just like doing one or two. He, he, he amassed quite a few properties and all of it basically leveraging relationships with other people. Now, the one week a deal, I mean, the one deal a week thing, okay, is important because of what you said. It holds your feet to the fire. You know, within a seven day period, mm-hmm. if you haven't done everything you can to find a transaction, then you know, okay, you're tracking yourself. You're going, okay, I got to change. I got to do something more different, better. Yes. Uh, so that you don't waste a month and, and go, oh, geez, I didn't do anything. Or, or, or you know, how many times have I run into people? I'm sure you have too at club meetings. You know, they've been in the business, in the business, supposedly, for a year, two years, three years, five years. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, yeah nothing. And, and they haven't bought a thing. No. They're still going to classes. They're though. still They're going still to classes. They know a lot. You know? <laughs> and, and my heart goes out to them. It really does, you know, because it's not that difficult. No. I mean, it, it really isn't. Um, but I would also recommend, and this is just my thing, that what's the easiest place to start? Go where people want to talk to you, where, where people want to see you. There's thousands of real estate offices, literally thousands of real estate offices full of hundreds and hundreds of people that went through and got their licenses so that they could sell you a house and they're ready to do whatever you want them to do. Most of them, some of them won't do much. Okay. That's the truth. But a lot of them will. And if you go into any of those offices and you walk in and you say, I don't want to talk to an agent. I'd like to speak to the person who trains the agents, the new agents here. And then you sit down with that person and you say, can you hook me up with somebody who you've been training? Who's a real go getter. Who's really somebody who really wants to do something. And believe me, they will hook you up immediately with somebody who who they love because they got a lot of spirit and they know. And here you are walking in saying, I want to find something. Now, I don't care what anybody tells me about there's no more REOs or there's no more short sales or there's no more this or there's no more that. We just got a call two days ago from an agent who's saying, hey, I got a call from Freddie Mac or Fannie Mac, I forget what the heck it was is listing a house with them and wants it sold in four days. Nice. Four days. This was before uh, the, before the end of the month. Just bring us an offer. Uh, my, my first question was, what's the listing price? He said, it doesn't matter. Just go <laughs> see the house, bring me an offer. They need to get rid of this and they want and they want a commitment and then they want to get somebody locked up and they wanted to actually close it before the end of the month. And I, I don't know why the house wasn't all that bad, you know, but th- there you go. Yeah. Now yeah. only now, why did he call us? Because we've talked to him a million times, you know. So I think that's a great resource to go out and introduce yourself to agents. Another great it's another great way to actually learn your market, learn what's going on marketplace. Deals fall out of escrow all the time. They fall apart. People lower their prices all the time, even in a market like this where you think there's not enough inventory. 
All right, we only have a few minutes left. Tony, this has been an incredible interview. I mean, <laughs> you've just laid it out there. I'm ready to go buy some houses. I, I totally agree. Whenever a week goes by and we haven't bought a house, I just, I kind of go a little crazy. <laughs> no, if, if somebody is just, you're brand new, you're starting out, you know, you're going to spend time going to another meeting or whatever it is. Put a little bit of time and it depends on your schedule. You know, you may only have weekends available to you if you're working a full-time job. You may only have evenings, you know. It's pretty tough to get an agent on the phone or walk into an office after 6 o'clock at night, you know. There's nobody there. Yep. So, you know, you have to find a way to set up. And that's why the GPS, Goal Plan Systems, you have to develop your own personal systems for what works for you within your own restrictions and limitations, you know. Uh, each one of us is different. You know, some of us have all day to do this. Um, some of us don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's a, uh, it's that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. You have, but you have to be. I would say, it, rather than go to another club meeting or sit at another seminar, get off your duff and go walk into ten real estate offices in your area. Uh, you know, another goal that I used to have, I made Sabrina do this, was I told her I need you to see fifty houses. She looked at me. She goes, "What, what do you mean fifty houses? I got you mean I got to find fifty deals?" I said, "No." I want you to go to the multiple listing and I want you to find agents that have certain houses listed and then go see those houses. I don't care what they are. I don't care what price range they are. You know, I'm talking about vacant houses, not obviously with people in them. But go see 50 houses. I don't care what it is. Just go and write down whatever you see and get back and tell me if you think you can work something or you can make any of those into a deal. Now, honest to goodness, that was for nothing else except to get her to go through the motions of actually physically doing something. Like besides going to a class or sitting in a meeting or, or asking me more email questions. or Facebook. Yeah, nonsense, <laughs> nonsense. All of it is nonsense. Have some direct contact, yes. you know, with something. Go up and touch that house, you know, walk through it, look around, start checking things out, you know, start really understanding what this business is about. It's about people and houses, solving problems, you know, and, th and those problems are all around you. They're no secret. It's, it's most of this doing this business and succeeding at it is about common sense steps. It's not about any secret weapon, anything, you know, now some of us develop, you know, our own particular ways of doing business and we become really good at it because we repeat things over and over again and yeah. we ratchet them down. But getting started, getting started is about getting off your ass basically and taking some action. And that's all it is. And, and, and do the simple things. You know, you got to look at houses, you got to talk to people, you got to make offers sooner or later. And I remember being the guy sitting there and learning. And I'll tell you what, when you go out and start taking action and then you're sitting there and learning, you're hearing a totally different thing. You're now in the club. I mean, you can apply exactly what they taught you and instead of what you think you're hearing. I mean, it's just, it's just night and day. Without a doubt, without a doubt. As a matter of fact, and I sincerely appreciate what you said about GPS, because I know you're telling me the truth because of the way that you're describing it. There are people, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of people, Justin, that have sat in classes with me. And I see the same faces come back. And I know most of them didn't get it. I explained to them a really simple method of holding themselves accountable, you know, and, and you don't want to use those words sometimes because that's too strong for people. They don't want to hold themselves accountable. Geez, you know, they want to do that. And, and, and keep in mind one thing too, Justin. I am probably the laziest investor ever known in the history of mankind, okay? I don't want to do anything. So I have to have systems to hold my feet to the fire. Yep. A year will go by, then I don't care whether we bought something or not, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't have to anymore. You know, we, we bring in enough money, you know, but but I, I still have to be loyal to those systems yep. to keep myself, you know, in motion.
Yep. That's about what I, you know, about as good as I can put it. And, and, and sometimes, by the way, just one thing I want to add is sometimes that we, you know, if, if we are too specific about how we do things, you know, in our own offices and stuff, I think we can also do people a disservice because then people hear that and they go, oh, geez, okay, I got to do exactly what this guy does. Each one of us is going to find their way of taking the same basic steps to, to do this business, but we have to inject into those uh, steps our own personality, our own way of seeing things. Um, the one thing that we haven't discussed today, we haven't mentioned the word fear. And I want to differentiate something for your listeners, and I know we're running out of time, and I want to do it no, quickly. No, it's all right. There's a distinction that I learned from someone else, a gentleman named Guy Finley, um, who's, a, who's a mentor of mine who has nothing to do with real estate. It has to do with understanding your own mind and how it works. And I suggest that you invest a little bit of time in that area. Um, all of you out there listening to this, especially if you want to do something and there's always fear, objection, thoughts that come up in your mind and start telling you the reasons, all the reasons why you shouldn't do it or it's not going to work for you. Or There's two types of fear for human beings. There's something called a physical fear and there's something called a psychological fear. And understanding the distinction between those two fears is really important to your success and to ultimately even taking your first step. As human beings, having physical fear, meaning the fear of being harmed by anything, whether it's a lion that's about to attack you or, you know, uh, you're, you go out to your car late at night at a restaurant and there's a couple of gang members cleaning their nails with knives on top of your hood <laughs> of your car, you might want to go back in the, into the <laughs> restaurant and, and wait a little bit, you know, maybe call 911. Who knows? You know, you should be afraid of physical harm. You're going to step off the curb and there's a bus coming 100 miles an hour. You might want to step back on the curb, you know, you, could, you don't want to end up looking like a pancake. <laughs> but let's say you decide that you're going to go and talk to some agent. Uh, you know, you've never done this business. You're going to walk into a real estate office and you're just going to speak to an, uh, to an agent about what's for sale. You know, you're looking for uh, a house. By the way, I'm a huge proponent of you always driving through your target market, finding a house for sale, and then calling on that specific <laughs> listing. Just don't, I don't necessarily want somebody to walk into an office and say, hey, uh, you got anything for sale? I'm an investor. I don't even like you to use the investor word. It's a swear word for a lot of agents. But, um, and this fear pops up in you. You want to take a step. You want to go ask, you know, an agent uh, for for something, or you want to you you want to start uh, taking the move in that, in that in that direction, and your mind starts giving you all these reasons why you're not going to work. Nonsense. That's called psychological fear, and I want you to understand, a hundred percent of all psychological fears from you know deciding that you want to become you know an investor and you want and you're actually going to take a step to meet someone or asking someone for a date. It's the same thing. We as human beings have meshed those two fears together so that a psychological event makes us feel the same physical fear inside of us that a bus coming straight at us would make us feel. And physical fears are valid. Psychological fears, 100% of them are nonsense. They're fake. They're ghosts. They don't exist. And what you have to do is, and it's difficult at first, is to go in the direction of those fears, regardless of what they tell you. Because what you, what's on the other side of those supposed fears is, and other men have said this much better than I, you know, was it Thoreau who said, you know, when you walk in the direction of your dreams, you'll meet with success, uh, common hour, not common hours or something like that. I, I'm, I'm butchering the, the, the quote, <laughs> but um, on the other side of those fears is really the success that you're looking to receive. Each one of those little fears that you overcome, psychological fears, puts you in a completely different world. Tony, it's amazing. 
everything yeah, you're you, talking you, about. You have to experience it, you know? I mean, just over a week ago, before I launched this podcast thing, I was feeling exactly what you're talking about. I mean, if I hadn't already put this out to the world and been more afraid of the embarrassment I would have by not going through with it, I would not have launched this thing. I thought... I sound horrible on the microphone. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not very, like I'm stuttering. I'm mumbling, saying, um, all the time. Like I was so afraid of what people were going to think. And like, I didn't think anyone would be listening. And it's just, it's incredible. I just went forward and I don't know. It's, it, you've touched me, Tony, with what you're saying. So that's. <laughs> no, and, and, and you've done a fantastic job. I want you to know. I mean, I'm using you as an example. I, I hope Candace doesn't hear this, but I'm using <laughs> you, you, you as an example saying, look, this is the way to do this thing. Why can't you people get it together? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, she has. And then she sends me over uh, a thing about your, uh, you know, one of your, one of your stuff. And I send her back a message. Don't send me these things anymore. You know, it's only going to piss me off more. I'm going to be down there beating you up over it. And then, and, <laughs> and, then, and then, but you've raised our level. You see, and this is what happens in business and people don't understand this. You have to go forward, Justin, and you have to do the things that your heart desires to do because when you take those decisions, you raise the level for everyone else as well. You do your best and makes everyone else around you who's watching go, you know what? That's great. You know, I wish I could do something like that too. And then you take the action. If you stay just with the wish of doing something better and you don't or doing anything and you don't go forward, that's a horrible existence. Yeah. So you, you have to take those steps. You know, you can't be questioning yourself. Let the market tell you. We love you. Or, eh, we don't like you so much. Be, that's okay. So do something else, you know? For sure. Well, Tony, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, what you've given us today was just, I knew it was going to be incredible, but I'm just, I'm inspired. I mean, I just want to go out there and I'll just make things happen, whether it's in real estate or in my life or, or whatever it might be. So thank you so much. You, you've been amazing. How can... People, I know you have your club. How can people find you or follow you? You know, um, I'm real simple to find. It's just my name. I mean, my email uh, and my and the website is Tony at TonyAlvarez.com is my email. And then TonyAlvarez.com is the uh, is the website. Um, and we have a club. You know, we do a club up here in the high desert. It's called High Desert Real Estate Investors Network. Uh, and it's H-D-R-E-I-N.com. Um, and we get together. We only do it quarterly. I didn't want to do a monthly, you know, thing because I just don't want to work that hard. I mentioned <laughs> the lazy thing. But, um, yeah, but, you know, and I'm always putting stuff out on Facebook and every other thing. You know, I, I stay pretty active and the girls keep me active, you know. Tony's one of the best guys to follow on Facebook. He'll have you rolling every single day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you very much for all your kind words and for asking me to do this. I sincerely appreciate it. You know, I have fun doing this stuff, so. Well, Tony, you, you're just one of those guys who just keeps giving and giving and uh, I can't thank you enough. I I never would have learned this stuff without you and people like you. So thank you so much. And we're all better because of you. I'm glad to know that I had anything to do with your success. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a real feather in my cap. Okay. So I, well, it's, it's really, I, cause you never know, you know, you do all this stuff and you never, you never hear, you know, you don't know where people listen and whether they take action. Well, so, I think I, yeah, I think I mentioned it before, but you know, I learned a lot from after I got done wholesaling, which I did for two years, you know, and I started to get into REOs and I, I learned a ton from Doug Van Soost about evaluating properties and all this stuff. And then later on, I went and heard you and everything that I learned from him was exactly what you were talking about. And I'm like, he's like, oh, yeah, I learned from Tony. I did like a mentor program with him. And anyway, just 
It's pretty awesome. So Tony mentioned that he has some classes coming up and, you know, we'll uh, follow him at um, TonyAlvarez.com, correct? Yeah. And we'll also send out a link when that happens. Just a great guy. So happy we had you. And we will talk to you soon, Tony. It's been a great, great time. <laughs> Congratulations on your new podcast and your uh, flipping website here. This is this is really good. And you do, I have to tell you, class act, okay? Your website, and I appreciate it, is one of the nicest, easiest things on my eyes. Mine is one of the worst I've ever <laughs> seen. But yours is, I swear, you did a really, really, really great job. Well, I've, I've got some good help, so uh, I'm not very techie myself. So, <laughs> Well, they did a wonderful job. Wherever it is, you ought to hug and kiss them every day because it's it's really nice. Well, he'll, he'll be listening to this, so he'll, he'll hear it. I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tony. Really appreciate it. Take care. It. Take care of yourself. Whoa. How about that for an incredible interview? I don't know if you guys are as pumped as I am, but I am ready to get out there, make some things happen, take some action, not only in my real estate investing career, but just in my life in general. Tony is incredibly inspirational. He talked about some things about fear, which I see so many people struggle with and overcoming those fears. Thank you so much, Tony. Can't thank you enough for everything you've shared with us. So I actually did this interview last week, and then just last night, I was sitting there with my family. We were watching, I think it was Monsters University, my wife, you know, rented for us, and I was on my laptop, kind of scouring Facebook, and bam, out of nowhere, I saw this announcement on Tony's Facebook wall, or timeline, whatever they call it these days, and he basically announced that he will be resigning from his real estate investing career after 2014. I just, you heard it first here on House Upping HQ, breaking news. That's even what I told him in his response. I was like, man, I feel like I need to call like a, a news reporter and let him know. So he has some other things he wants to do in his life. And he's been at this game for a long time and good for him for following his passion. Tony, we thank you so much. He'll still, he said he'll still uh, be finishing off 2014 at the bank. Sounds like he's going to do some final classes, writing a few books he's working on and I just can't wait to hear everything he comes out with. What an incredible person. And we wish you the best, Tony, on your journey. Uh, you're going to do amazing things at, no matter what you do. And good for you for following your heart. Okay, so now on a totally different note, I've asked, I've pleaded, I've begged for ratings and reviews on iTunes. And now I'm going to resort to bribery. Many of you know that last week I spoke at the San Diego Investment Club on the topic of how to create a house flipping machine. I left no stone unturned and covered in great detail everything we've done to flip over 200 houses in the past two years and how others can create their own house flipping business and take massive action. I covered all the systems we use to buy, finance, rehab, and sell those houses, and how you can systematize your business in a way to maintain a certain level of sanity. Okay, so here's where my shameless bribe comes into play. I'm going to send a copy of this presentation to anyone who subscribes to, rates, and reviews the podcast. All you have to do is go to housefoopinghq.com slash subscribe and there you'll see a place where you can write a review and leave a hopeful five-star rating. After you've done that, shoot me an email at justin at houseflippinghq.com 
letting me know the name you used for your rating, and we will send you a link to a copy of the presentation. All right, well, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep crushing it. Next week, we'll have Danny Johnson, Flipping Junkie, who's gonna teach us all about wholesaling. We'll see you then. Get out there, crush it. I love you. You rock. You're awesome. Goodbye. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how to's, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.